Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. My name is Francesca Trotman and I'm the founder and managing director of a marine conservation charity called Love the Oceans and I'm here talking on the Big Scuba podcast. to the Big Scuba Podcast. This is episode 62. I'm Gemma. And I'm Ian. <laughs> We're bringing you the Big Scuba Podcast via Zoom from the east of England. We certainly are. Where are you, Gem? I'm on the east coast in Pakefield. Near and Mo- I'm, in, I'm in the centre of the universe, which is otherwise known as Bungie. Bungie. You're on the river, I'm by the sea. Certainly am on the River Waveney. So what's coming up, Jim? Well, in this episode, episode 62, we are talking to Francesca Trotman, who is the managing director and founder of Love the Oceans. So that is a charity based out in Mozambique. And it's all about conservation, sustainability and yeah, involving the local people just to obviously create a marine protected environment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and she literally does have her arms around the ocean. She does literally <laughs> hug the oceans. Yeah, so it's a really interesting conversation, and she's just so enthusiastic about her cause and her love for the ocean and just love for life, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah she does, and uh, um, I think uh, you know people will pick up on that, and uh, we'll see I that. So you, uh, there's no hiding that, and it's very natural and certainly comes across. Yep, so that will be coming up. So that will be along shortly. So we'll talk about what we've been up to. So what have you been up to, Ian? <laughs> well, before I get into that, I'm going to say a very quick hello to my children on this because it was Harvey's 14th birthday So uh, since we last spoke. So happy birthday to him. And, uh, he, you know, I'm sure he'll be t- suitably embarrassed now. And also... <laughs> Scuba Honey has gone and broke a leg. Yes, she's been you know, in the wars a bit. She has been in the wars a bit. Yeah, bless her. So last week uh, she was doing PE and because um, she's actually at school and, um, you know, she was at school and slipped and broke a leg doing PE, as you do. So uh, it's, a, it's a hairline fracture uh, on her right, right leg, just below her knee. So uh, bless her. So she's limping about on what we've called a hop along for the time being. On a full leg cast, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, won't be uh, jumping in a kayak for any time soon. Sadly not, no. Uh, but four weeks, she's got to keep that on. So one week down, so we've got three weeks there. Yeah, and she's got a Zimmer frame. Uh, you know, 10 <laughs> year old got a Zimmer frame. I'm impressed you saying that. <laughs> just... I don't know. Bless her. So yeah, so... Uh, she's in the wars so uh, but hey it's got to keep positive you know and uh, she'll be absolutely fine um what we've been up to so we've been doing the usual things since we last spoke of great yarmouth crossfit wards have been every day us, yeah every day keeping us busy and keeping us fit for diving and uh, lots of burpees lots of uh what else have been thrusters star jumps i'm like one day we did 750 star jumps we did. 
because I like counting how many things we're doing in the workout. Gemma, so for our listener, um, <laughs> Gemma particularly likes maths and spreadsheets. Got a thing for spreadsheets. And before we do any wads, so workout of the day, um, Gemma brings maths into the whole situation. How many rounds we're going to do and how many we're going to do of each exercise? I know, but sometimes we don't need to know how many burpees we're going to have to do. Sometimes we just want to do it and then do the maths afterwards. So I don't have to think, right, I've got... 150 stars to do in 20 Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's doing us good because we're keeping fit, trim, toned and ready to go back to diving. When yes. We're which is yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, anybody that is... Well, obviously, everybody's thinking about getting back in the water, but yeah, have a think about your fitness to start with and whether you need a medical to get back in or even a refresher in the pool. So it's been a long time no diving in the UK. So it's really important we take care of ourselves and our equipment as well. That is a good point, Gem. And, uh, you, you know, you mentioned medicals and uh, not everybody need a medical. You don't need a medical to go back unless yes unless you're going to start teaching or you know you've got previous medical condition which needs to be checked up on you know then yeah you may want if you haven't died for some time maybe even since the last before the lockdown first lockdown then yeah that might be something you want to check up on you know are you going to be safe to get back in the water because potentially you know if things carry out, out as planned by uh, what uh, boris said last week you know, potentially could be diving, I think it was the end of March. Yeah, yeah. You know, in April, so only in a few weeks. So uh, got to make sure, you know, you know, when's your, your regulators last serviced, uh, particularly, you know, are they still in day? You know, do you need to get that done? Um, and our good friends over at Crystal Sea Scuba, you know, they were talking just this week, um, you know, about booking, pool time and i and i you know i know you and i have said this previously um that before we go diving it'd be really good for us to get back in the pool just go make sure the dry suit is all fine make sure everything else is all okay run through some basic skills um you know how you know make sure we can still do the out of air scenario clean mask all those things that we kind of take for granted a bit you know putting the equipment on as well that is all a routine but people could be doing that now at home you know throw on your dry suit put your bcd on if you've got all the equipment at home give it a go make sure it ready for them saturday night special nights in (laughs) get that rubber suit out (laughs) (laughs) we need to know jam i'm not sure we need to know about that jam Right, moving on swiftly. I was also going to read. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I was going to also say you need to put your equipment on and your rubber suits on and your dry suits on because you need to make sure you can still fit in them after quite yeah. prolonged lockdowns because there are people that might have got a little bit tubbier all around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's important. So don't turn up at a dive site, try and put your dry suit on and it won't fit. So the, the key to the, what we're trying to say is to everybody <laughs> is then check your equipment regularly. Yes. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Right. <laughs> I've been dying to get that out on the podcast. <laughs> you take yours directly today. <laughs> that will be the saying of today's podcast. Check your yes, yes. That's the title of today's podcast. Check your have you checked your equipment today? We're asking that every episode now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it is, you know, here we are, you know, we're just a few, hopefully a few weeks away before we can finally, finally get either on the water or under the water, go for a dive and just, yeah, do the thing that we all love to do and just go for a dive. How cool is that going to be? Yeah. You've got to do it and you've got to be safe. So check your equipment. As we said, you know, get some practice in if you if you've got a uh, a dive center that's nearby has got a pool book some time in and you know and do that because that'd yeah. be well worthwhile and if you feel your fitness has suffered a little bit you've got you know a four weeks six weeks to just get out there go for walks go yeah. even walking every day is a, a step in the right direction so yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. that's what we've been doing so yeah, yeah. what yeah. crossfit walking running so we even did a 5k run the other day, didn't we? I know, and you nearly killed me in the in the uh, getting it done, but we got it done. Yeah, well, think how you feel when you've done it. Yeah, no, I was actually. I was um, apart from the the very steep hill. Um, <laughs> yeah, the rest of was pretty good. <laughs> Down, what I did discover is downhill was much easier. <laughs> and the wind behind you as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, but no, it's a good achievement, and yeah. Also, there's a free way you can support us on the old Big Scuba, and that's by going to the YouTube channel, Big Scuba Podcast, and subscribing and hitting the notification bell, and you keep yeah. up to date with what's going on and when we've got a video coming out. Yeah, yeah, and also we've got our social media platforms. We've got Facebook, we've got Twitter, Instagram. So, you know, send us some likes, send us some comments. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, I'm getting on to that. <laughs> so, so, yeah, talk to us. If you've got any questions for us, just DM us, send us a message. And then we have got the Big Scuba Bat phone. Yeah. So that is where you can send us a WhatsApp voice recording or a video. Yeah. Just tell us what you've been up to. If you've been testing your equipment or been out for a dive wherever you are in the world, just drop us a message. Keep it yeah. to about two minutes and tell us what you've been up to. Let Can I just give the number out? Mm-hmm. Okay, that number you need, and that is from anywhere in the in the world, is plus 44-7810-005924. Well done. So, yeah. And we'll play that on the old podcast. Yeah, so it's also an opportunity for you to feature on a podcast because we'll play that on one of the episodes. And if you've got anything to promote or tell people what's coming up or if you've got a new project on, just ping it on the big scuba batch. Especially when you're about to get in the water. So if you have got a line of maybe dive gear or swimwear or who knows, something you want to promote, use it. Yeah. Use it, you know, it is there. You know, who have we had already do that? Reef World, Blue O2, uh, Fourth Element. Yeah. So, um, and there's, there's uh, we're in discussion with a few others about doing that as well. So um, I forget, I'm sure, I know there's some other people as well. 
So uh, do do that. That'd be good. Anyway, so I think we kind of covered everything, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, everything covered, and we're ready. Ooh, just very quickly, um, show notes. If you're looking to save some money on various things, uh, or if you're looking to uh, buy something off the Fourth Element site, go to our show notes. There's links all there. Go there first and see if we can save you some money or at least priority booking. So do that. Go there and follow the links. Yeah, and it's all there in the show notes. Right, that's it. Right, we better dial in to Francesca Trotman. Let's do it. Yep, right, here we go. This is episode 62, Francesca Trotman from Love the Oceans. So, uh, Francesca Trotman, Managing Director and Founder of the Love Oceans, or Love the Oceans. Uh, welcome to the Big Scuba podcast, and uh, thank you for joining us. And we're, we're all in the UK for the, you know, for the time being, until lockdown allows us to move around again. So, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, and how do you get into scuba diving? I believe you've been diving for quite a while. You, is it from 13? Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks so much for having me on this, by the way. Um, it's such a pleasure to talk to you guys. Um, and nice to, to talk about diving, even though we, we're all stuck at the moment and can't get in the water ourselves. But um, yeah, I started diving when I was 13. So it's been a while. Um, not that long, though, I promise. Um, and uh yeah, I was really lucky, actually. I um, tried diving for the first time when my parents took us on holiday to the Caribbean, which was obviously spectacular. And it was quite funny, though, because they were like, because it's me and my brother. So they were like, you guys have to do this. It's once in a lifetime. Like, you'll probably never do this again. Like, you've got to try it. And uh, <laughs> I did it once. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I spent that holiday doing um, paddy open water um, and then just like started diving as and when a kid, obviously UK based was um, I, having learned in the Caribbean, <laughs> a bit of a shock. Did your parents died? No, so none of my family are outdoorsy. Uh, my brother's a corporate lawyer. My mom was an estate agent. My dad's software um, designer. So like... So why Nothing. did they pick up on diving then? They're well, because it's the Caribbean, wasn't it? So it's like, you got to like go and enjoy the water and like do the things. Yeah, do the things that you're meant to do when you're on holiday. Um, and I'd always been a swimmer. So I think it was like, a, I'd always been, I'd, I like I competitively swim when I was a kid. And then like, on, if we went on holiday, it would be like whatever water body was near us, I would be in it all the time. So I think it was kind of like, yeah predictable that I'd get addicted to it um so uh yeah and then I did my dive master when I was uh 19 and my first year of uni um and then that's actually as high as I got I didn't bother with instructor but uh just been doing it as a dive master ever since and that's a good role isn't it yeah I think it's a nice like for me like I run a marine conservation NGO so I'm probably we're partnered with a paddy five star so I'm not going to probably not going to teach the kids myself um so there's not really a need for me to like actually do the instructors but it's nice to have that like I think dive master especially when you go abroad and stuff like I also work as an underwater photographer and having that like level of like 
I guess it's like recognition, isn't it? People just mm. appreciate that it's like, okay, you you you're quite experienced. Um, so yeah, that's kind of why I did it, just to just to you know get that experience. And I mean, it's an interesting course as well. So <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah, totally recommend it. Yeah. So you obviously went to uni and did marine biology. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have like because I, so I learned to dive when I was 13, but I'd actually been obsessed with sharks since I was about eight years old. Uh, my email address when I was a kid was this is so embarrassing. I don't know why I ever say this, but my email address when I was a kid was sharks are the coolest dudes. Um, <laughs> Dot com. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like pretty obsessed with sharks like that was my kind of spirit animal I guess um and uh I so that's when I learned to dive that was like pretty kind of I guess the beginning of like my proper obsession with the sea and then um kind of that continued and then when it came to uni I didn't really know what I wanted to do so I knew that I liked diving and I was like well marine biology is underwater so (laughs) that's got to be like along the lines of what I want to do so yeah, then did that. Uh, then dive master was obviously the next step in terms of professional diving. And then um, at the end of my second year, I went and did a photography internship in Mozambique. Um, and when I was there, I saw my first shark killing. Um, and obviously I'd like read a lot and stuff about sharks, uh, the shark fin trade and things like that. And I'd watched a bunch of documentaries growing up, but it's like very different seeing it and seeing it in real life versus like reading about it or watching a documentary mm-hmm. about it so I was like pretty upset about it and I wanted to work out like why the sharks were being killed and how bad the industry was and I worked out that they were being killed for the shark fin trade and so then I wanted to work out how bad the shark fin trade was in the area and like yeah it's sad if like those few sharks that were killed that day died but like if it's on a much larger scale then that's more of a like ecological problem so I uh, went back to university and I was doing an integrated master's. So I went into my third year and rec- uh, recruited three research assistants and found a supervisor and then returned in the end of my third year before my master's year and collected uh, four months worth of data with the shark fishermen learning about the fin trade and what wow. was kind of going on with that. How did you do that then? What, so when you say you, you collected four months of uh, shark data, how, how did you actually get that? Um, literally like walking along the beach with the fishermen uh, talking to them spending every single day on the beach for four months I mean I got a killer tan but um, uh, spending every day on the beach for four months uh, so, so I had three weeks and we covered two bays so it was like two of us on each bay and then we rotated between us and also between the bays so that we didn't get too sick of each other um, and then literally you we walked to the site so that one of the sites was 45 minutes away the other one was pretty close so um you had to walk to the site for sunrise which was about 6am you take packed lunch take snacks food books whatever you need with you um then literally wait all day like note down anything that's caught in the catches um and then walk back when the sun goes down and that was literally life for like four months and how were they with you about doing that because where did you find you, you were they resistant about that because they could you know they don't know what you're going to be doing with this information and yeah uh, so local and at the at the start there was definitely like a stranger danger type thing like they were kind of like who are you and obviously white people have a horrific history in africa so it was a lot of like wariness mm. and like 
also when sharks and rays and stuff have been caught previously when tourists and stuff see it they get really upset and sometimes they get like really aggressive and you can imagine if you don't speak that language someone coming up to you and yelling at you and like being physically intimidating you're going to be like what is going on like who is this person leave me alone kind of thing and then you kind of negatively associate anyone that like looks or or you think might know them or whatever with them um so definitely there was a healthy level of like who are you and what do you want but because it was the same like it was me and my three research assistants every day for four months um I picked up a bit of Portuguese like we all picked up a bit of Portuguese and obviously you a lot like body language is so under like <laughs> under recognized like body language says so much so a lot can be communicated through um, body language and broken broken bits of, of words and stuff and so once I'd kind of explained what was what I was doing and who I was and the fact that I wasn't like you know going to be calling the police all the time and I wanted to collect this data and understand what's going on with the fisheries uh, it was a lot easier so the fishermen would actually like we got to the point actually where they'd text us and they were like we're not going out today it's too rainy um, yeah, so yeah and now yeah exactly and that was great because that was six years ago now Ooh, six oh. years ago and now we've just launched a project last year working with those exact fishermen to eliminate net use in the area and the chief fisherman is spearheading the project so we've really gone like a full kind of 180 um in but we're like still working together which is really nice so yeah there was definitely a he healthy level of fear or like not not fear but like caution to begin with um mm -hmm. but I think that's just a matter of time and trust and because and that's yeah. their livelihood isn't it yeah and, you know as much as we don't we don't agree with it or you know want to see it happen these people have got to survive somehow and if they've that's how they survive for years you know we come along and say no you can't do that blah 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 mm -hmm. and you're gonna get resistance so it's good that you took time to understand them and spent time with them and then obviously they then uh messaging you like that says it all didn't it you know you've got their you bought their trust like, like that yeah cool. i think it's um it's really important especially working like in mozambique and parts of africa like you've got to be really careful that you don't go with any assumptions or anything like that i think we're drip fed definitely like i know that i was drip fed through the freaking tv growing up like what what africa is and what you have to expect and you know all of that kind of stuff um and it's so different and it's just people trying to live their lives and the reason that they were catching the sharks like the fishermen weren't waking up every day and going oh i want to kill some sharks today like they're thinking how can i feed my family and be able to like afford to, to keep my family um and so they're just doing it for the money like it's just a source of income they don't grow up with like the disney movies and the like the affinities that we grow up with where we grow up and we think oh like you know you watch little mermaid and you grow up thinking like oh under the sea lovely um that's that's like the emotional attachment that potentially isn't formed um for a lot of the people in our area in Mozambique um so it is just a means to an end yeah. so the like the project that we launched last year was very much about being able to provide people with an option to like live more sustainably and fish more sustainably um, but do so legally and so it's a win for like the ocean and win for and that's really where the education piece comes in because it's if you can provide a reason and like a reasonable reason and get people to understand like why 
sharks or whatever shouldn't be caught and then also provide another way for them to still earn the same income and still be able to feed their families and all the rest of it most people are going to go like oh yeah i understand this i'm gonna opt for the more sustainable method um which is exactly what's happening which is really cool um so yeah it's uh been an interesting journey <laughs> <laughs> so how did um love the oceans kind of materialize what did you have a light bulb moment or um so yeah it was kind of like when I was writing up my thesis so when I went back to uni after I'd collected that data um I was writing up my it was like the November of 2014 and I was getting the results you'd think in terms of the sustainability of the catches and the shark fin trade and the fact it isn't sustainable but I didn't have enough data to publish uh, my paper and, and lobby for legislation change or get any kind of like action taken off the back of it. And it wasn't really something that I felt I could like walk away from and just live the rest of my life knowing that that was happening. Um, so I decided that I needed more data and the way to do that um, was to build a team. And then that's kind of how Love the Oceans came about. Um, but since then, like I, I read a lot like I had from November to July July was when I graduated so I had like six but eight months of reading up on like conservation strategies and what's successful and what's not worked in the past and other people's mistakes and stuff like that and forming a bit of a conservation strategy and I changed the mission mission from stopping the shark fin trade to establishing a marine protected area in our region as a whole mm-hmm. because that would encompass the shark fin trade but also for protection for a lot of other different animals and habitats too um, and have things like the financial incentive of a marine protected area and things like that and we actually yesterday just launched a hope spot with Mission Blue the Sylvia Earls Foundation um, in our area which is kind of our like halfway point for that as well so it's really awesome to like making progress and and seeing these changes. (laughs) So what in Mozambique what kind of area does this Love the Oceans cover is it like the whole coastline or is it specific areas? So we're in Jangamo. Uh, Jangamo Bay is three different bays so we have Coconut Bay, Ginjata Bay and Pandani Bay Um, and we work across all three of those so the protected area that we're working towards is about 88 kilometers squared so it's quite small in terms of like protected areas and how big national parks can get. Um, but we're kind of starting small and the idea is that we're creating a conservation strategy that can be replicated. Um, so if what we're doing is successful and everything goes to plan, then then because where we are is very typical of Mozambique, it's, it's a very typical area. Um, mm-hmm. So the idea being that it can be replicated up and down the coastline uh, and hopefully provide more protection for the oceans, but more also more income for the local community too so um yeah 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 and it's really good hearing you know sort of getting the backing from the local community to yeah get the wheels moving really yeah definitely such an important part like there's a lot of unfortunately there's a lot of like parachute science and stuff where scientists will come in and do science and say this is what's wrong you need to do this to fix it um and that's just not the way that things work um and it's it's a long game like it's we're in it for a long time like our strategy at the moment is another 10 years so it's not like you know two years fix it kind of thing it is a long and conservation science is notoriously long and can be frustrating because of that um but i mean the longer data set you have as well the more you see changes over time in the environment um and any recovery as well Uh, so it's all like it's important it's it's community buy-in is absolutely essential to successful conservation so mm. yeah. yeah you can't do it on your own you need you, you need the, the buy-in from the community 
yeah. all these things from to work. Yeah. Outside of COVID times, if you were in Mozambique, what would kind of a typical day encompass for you if there is such a um, yeah it varies quite a lot so unfortunately my job is a lot of management these days so it's not as exciting as I would like it to be um but I'll use like the most exciting time of the year as my example because <laughs> uh, if I use now it's not so great it's just a lot of emails but um yeah so July is probably our like busiest time and we have lots of different people from around the world join us as well on site so we have like school trips and we have um individual volunteers and we have people joining us like photographers and lots and lots of different like people from around the world joining us so I'll wake up around 5 30 and I might go for a run if I'm feeling particularly energetic um <laughs> usually not though um, I might go for a walk along the beach and collect some trash uh and then we have a staff briefing where we all um eat some quick breakfast um and uh then we all go out and everyone kind of takes their we have staff for each program so everyone will take their own program um and run with with that so I might go for a dive that morning and it would be the first dive of the day to check that our coral methodology is being done properly and the data collection is going well and the well recordings are being done correctly and things like that um and also because I like going diving um, and um I promise it's work um and uh, then I'll come back in yeah <laughs> Um, then I'll come back and do some emails, log some stuff, probably go to the schools and check that the students that are at the schools are happy and Pascal's happy and everything's going to plan there. Then I come back and our fisheries lot will probably be back from fisheries around 4pm. So we log um, all the fish that are caught and that takes a few hours and all the coral reef divers are logging their data as well. So everyone kind of sits down and logs together a lot of fish ID. <laughs> um, and we check through all of that and then dinner's at 6.30. So everyone sits down together and has a good gas about the day and then um yeah then I get my beer <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm done <laughs> beer o'clock yeah <laughs> how many of you is there in the team so we're a micro charity so at the moment the only two full-time paid people are myself and Pascal Pascal Numusa he's our um, community outreach manager um but Andrea our executive director she uh is working full-time and then working at night to do love the oceans voluntarily um and uh that's and then we have bento our um bento is one of our interns and so is mario they're both at mozambique and they also form part of our turtle team and soon will be forming part of our fisheries team um and then we have jazzy who's our marketing director and hannah who's our social media manager and then that's it pretty much and that will probably be it for a while we take on seasonal staff like um throughout like our busy periods but um yeah we're just limited because we're a micro charity i'd love to employ more people <laughs> um, but uh alas funding <laughs> and how do you get your funding what's the so some of it is grants, some of it is corporate sponsors, um, some of it's donations, and some of it is, well, majority, I would say, from the, especially the last few years, we've only really gained like a more like public traction in terms of like attention, I guess, and social media followings and stuff. We've only really gained that in the last couple of years. Um, but uh, before that, like, our, well, and now, I guess, our main source of income uh, is um, kind of like ecotourism trips. So we run trips where people come out, like the, the people that I was mentioning earlier. So we have like a 
student-led trip which is um like university students that come out and get experience with us and then we have a, our conservation adventure program which is mainly like divers and people who are wanting to get experience in marine conservation work but potentially don't have a background in that and just want to kind of like work out whether it's something they want to get involved with or just want like a sabbatical type of thing um and then yeah photographers come out we're partnered with photographers at borders so we get photographers coming out to do workshops with us and document our work um so yeah it's kind of like mainly through that that's kind of our uh, bread and butter income um that keeps things ticking over and covers our overheads and things like that and then we get specific donations for specific projects and stuff yeah that's yeah. it yeah it's good how it all keeps um sort of going so yeah you, you get good at hustling <laughs> So what's been happening during the lockdown over there how do you how do you keep on check of what's been happening uh it's been really difficult so we've been we were really lucky in that 2019 was a great year for us that was a really good year financially so that's seen us through 2020 and 2021 and obviously we've like just pulled back everything like everything that we wanted to do unfortunately is like okay we'll do that when we've got money <laughs> um but right now let's just concentrate on the the core so we prioritize we prioritize paying our staff in country like in mozambique um so pascal and bento and mario are like our priorities um so bento and mario paid a part-time wage because they only work mornings at the at the moment which is why I didn't mention them earlier but Pascal's on full wage but we um prioritize working uh paying them because we working if you live in a western country you have access to free healthcare, you have access to um like government resources and generally have kind of a backup uh but in Mozambique with Covid there's nothing like that like everyone is just because the, like the poverty levels have skyrocketed people are becoming more desperate that's why we launched our sustainable fishing project to enable people to continue to fish but do so legally because there was an increase in illegal fishing as a result of covid because everyone less, lost their jobs and became more desperate um so yeah we prioritize paying our local staff um but we've largely just run on donations the last year because um there's no travel so that's completely dried up and that's uh that funding and then we have just spent savings we were saving up to because we're partnered with a resort and we rent all of our accommodation and food and stuff and dives um and we were saving up to buy our own spot and stuff so we wouldn't we could lower the price and wouldn't have to charge rent and stuff but um covid has eaten up that nest egg so um it does mean that we were able to pull through though which is which is great because unfortunately as you guys know companies are folding left right and center so um yeah difficult times but we've been we've been lucky um so. that's good to hear and hopefully yeah you can continue to get back on it <laughs> yeah yeah fingers crossed you know, sometimes it's just about getting through the lockdown, isn't it? You know, the best that you can. And then once we're all, everyone's through it, you know, you can then start making hay again, as the saying goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just when that end will be, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how are they coping with that over there? Um, it's really difficult to say because there's not like there is official numbers but whether that's actually real is um, a different matter because a lot of people won't go to hospital don't have access to healthcare, won't get a test um, that they might just get medication thinking it's malaria because malaria is really prevalent in our area and uh, so we don't actually know how many people actually have it a lot of people think they've had it but don't know if they've had it and haven't had the test like we're not really sure um 
so we're like certainly while I was I was there 10 months of last year and it wasn't anywhere near like I was listening to the news of like what was happening in the US and the UK and that was extremely apocalyptic and quite depressing to be frank so um whereas where I was there wasn't it didn't seem like there was any any COVID actually like I hadn't heard of anyone who'd had it by the time I left um now there's a couple of like officials that have had it that we definitely know have had it because they're officials and they've had tests kind of thing um and there's been a couple of people in our area and that's it but um I was chatting with Pascal about this the other day and he thinks that it, he thinks that we're getting over it kind of thing and then it will actually die off again um so that's the hope at least I guess yeah so what stage will it be when when you go back I'm hoping that everything will be absolutely fine when I go back um there's some way behind us aren't they yeah so it's basically like whatever is happening in the UK but three months later um kind of thing I'm hoping that come June borders will be because borders are open right now so in theory I could leave the UK because it's work so I can leave the UK and go right now Mm. Um, there's then I'm not going because there's not a whole lot for me to do so um it's an expense for the organization that doesn't need to happen right now but um yeah I mean I who knows <laughs> like we're just waiting on the government to say whatever or be fine or not be fine or yeah I mean it's all complete this is what I mean you can't you can't plan the next six months like it's it's um who knows but we're we're I'm optimistic that we'll run we've got I've got programs and people booked in for July and August uh, and September I think and so I'm kind of optimistic those three months will be half decent um and people will be able to get out there but i guess we'll see yeah and in normal times do you do you uh liaise with other organizations who are doing similar things but in different parts of the world um not so much really um we're like very mozambique focused so um originally i did name love the oceans because i was like ah, well that's a really broad name and we can do Mm -hmm. a lot within that um but actually like we seriously looked at expanding to other places a few years ago really glad we didn't (laughs) um but um we seriously looked at that but it's it's really difficult financially and like the workload and stuff like that um so we just ended up and we also felt like our like mission is very specific so going and expanding to somewhere else in the world wouldn't it would like kind of dilute our mission if you get what I mean so we just um, decided to kind of like stay quite focused so we're um, very like it's very specific but it's something that we feel passionately about and I like the kind of community and, and family feel to the organisation too which is nice. Yeah it sounds good yeah yeah and what's Mozambique like as a place to live in normal times? Amazing um, I love it it's home um, it is oh just amazing so obviously the marine life is just like oh, yeah our humpback whales June to October is our whale season and there's literally okay I've never been anywhere where there is like so little tourism and so many whales so like the whole of lockdown you weren't allowed to launch a boat like that was there that was one of the rules you weren't allowed to launch boats so obviously our research suffered loads and I wanted to continue research and we'd just been sponsored by um red paddle company um paddle boards yeah 
So they gave us five paddle boards uh, to take out to Mozambique. And I'd taken them out in March thinking, oh yeah, this will be a great year. We'll get everyone on the boards. Obviously it was just like me and a few friends <laughs> that are on the boards. But because where we're based, you like paddle out 200 meters, not far. And you can sit on your board and it's like a highway of whales going past. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So like one time we literally sat down and just sat with the whales and it was a mother and baby just like properly and just doing their thing um so uh yeah our whales are probably the most mind-blowing in terms of like the interactions and just like very very cool like I wasn't particularly a whale person like I was totally into my sharks before Mozambique and now I'm like I actually really love whales like they're just so because they're mammals they're so intelligent and their behavior is so unpredictable and it's just so like I don't know really cool to interact with them um we do obviously have sharks uh so that's awesome as well whale sharks in particular are probably the most one of the most common species we see um which are obviously beautiful and amazing to swim with um and we actually i did one last year which had swum up from the last time it had been spotted was in south africa wow. and it crossed borders and swam all the way up and it hadn't been spotted for something like six years or something like that um which was cool but yeah, so we've got like all the like tick box species of animals, which obviously makes it amazing. And I also free dive. So being able to take the boards out and then free dive off the boards was like really, really pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so the like marine aspects, bloody beautiful. Like it's really, really quite something. Um, diving wise, I imagine the visibility is pretty like, endless is it so it's actually a real mixed bag like it changes one day to the next massively like uh, yeah it's, it's it's quite nuts actually um i've had a couple of dives like probably only like two in in my entire time there where it's been like actually terrible visibility like one meter and you're like and it gets dark at like 20 meters and you're like should we do this dive or should we just go up um <laughs> But usually I think our average viz is like 15 meters. So it's actually not like the clearest, but it's no like, it's not like the Maldives or anything like that, but it's certainly like good enough for a good dive um, and to see quite that a lot. better animals. than the UK anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, occasionally we'll have, especially if you drop through a thermocline uh, on the bottom side of the thermocline that will go to like i've had dives where it's been like 50 meters and i've been like, oh yes. A five mil um, wetsuit? Yeah five mil wetsuit I don't wear booties or anything or a hood so I just have a I actually have a five four so it's a surf suit um so my arms and legs are four and my torso is five um and that's usually fine so bottom temperature is around 23 during winter and 27 to 30 in the summer so it does get quite warm definitely like 20 27 to 30 like sometimes you don't have to wear a wetsuit like obviously it depends on the depth that you're going to but yeah. um sometimes you can just go in like a board shorts or bikini or whatever and it's fine but wow. most of the average sort of diving would you say generally is basic when you're doing your the work would you say what your at what sort of depths um so our surveys are pretty shallow just yeah. because of air consumption and like trying to do all the work and get shit done basically um it means that we're about i'd say like 12 meters like really shallow um yeah. so occasionally we're a bit shallower occasionally we're a bit deeper definitely not anything more than kind of 16 meters that's mm. absolutely max um but we do kind of aim for like 12 um so yeah that's like pretty it's not too cold it's it's pretty pretty toasty <laughs> um, yeah. 
but also it's nice when the temperature drops because the whales follow the temperature drop so you'll come up like when I'm diving in May and June which is just the beginning like you start to like spot one or two in like the end of May beginning of June uh, of the whales so um, you kind of come up from every dive and everyone compares their dive temperatures on their watches and everyone's <laughs> like has the temperature dropped yet are we going to see them soon kind of thing um, which is quite cool but uh, yeah so the oceans are obviously amazing and the people as well like Mozambique is the safest country I've been to um, where I am in Mozambique obviously if you look at the government websites North Mozambique is not recommended um, but I'm in southern Mozambique and it's so safe I leave my front door open the whole time I sleep with my front door open I leave it open during the day I go for runs and leave it open because um, I also have a dog and she needs to go in and out and all the rest of it um and i don't ever worry about people walking past and going in it's just not a thing that that like there's no crime um so it's a super safe area like i like i'm a woman and i go on my own all the time my like biggest worry would be i guess scorpions <laughs> um, i stepped on a scorpion last year which was quite a panic um yeah yeah it wasn't the wildlife land wildlife can be a bit dangerous yeah. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I didn't get venom. So it, I stepped on it because I went from my bed to my toilet at like 1am in the morning barefoot. Now I have shoes glued to my feet at all times. Um, I would sleep in them if I could. Um, but yeah, I stepped on one and I got pins and needles up to my thigh. And then that's when I was like, this is bad. I should probably go to see someone. So I rang my friend and we went to hospital at like 2am and the woman said that... Um, I didn't get the like venom but if I had it would have obviously been quite a bit more serious um so I was just lucky um, but yeah my biggest worry like is it wouldn't be humans hurting me at all it would definitely be the like bush because it is very rural where we are so there are quite a few creepy crawlies um but yeah one of my friends is a zoologist and totally obsessed with bugs so he loves it <laughs> but um, I'm like you can have the centipedes I'm good without it thanks yeah. um oh, yeah. Yeah. good with mice <laughs> oh nice I don't know, yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, there's no mice around us because there's too many snakes. So. <laughs> I've got a mouse in the house at the moment. So. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's safe. <laughs> smart mouse, because it, it's a smart mouse because it has the cheese and not set off the traps. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is a smart one. Yeah, <laughs> it's a challenge. I'm going to continue over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, like Ratatouille. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's, yeah, you know, it's interesting hearing about Mozambique because a lot of people that wouldn't even be on their radar, would it, for kind of yeah. even the marine side of um, or a tourism visit. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's not the easiest to get to, and there's not like a lot of like. It's definitely a more off the beaten track kind of. Um, holiday that people go on like it's it's not an easy tourist place it's not like you know you go to the Caribbean and, and it's like there's so much for tourists and the country's very much geared towards tourism as a source of income but um Mo Mozambique doesn't quite have as many facilities and things but it's definitely worth it like I've I like to be fair I'm a big fan of like Southern Africa is incredible like the wildlife the the landscape 
I road tripped with a friend around Botswana. We were meant to go through Zimbabwe, so we road tripped South Africa, Botswana, and then we went round Zimbabwe because they had some political unrest at the time. Um, so we went round Zimbabwe and up Mozambique and drove, like I drive regularly from Johannesburg to um, where I am, which is about 16 hours drive on my own. And like my friends in the UK are like, wow, you're like, that's so dangerous. You're a woman on your own. And I'm like, honestly, it's, like it's fine I actually enjoy the drive it's beautiful obviously um like driving past the Drakensberg mountains and things like that like that's a pretty spectacular like trip to do um the only like my literally always my biggest worry is the wildlife like when I was in the Kalahari and we drove for like two hours and didn't see anyone there was just lion poo everywhere and we we're like oh if we break down now when will someone come and save us um but uh yeah like I couldn't recommend it enough as a travel destination it is such a great place and there's because it's like you've got some surrounding countries that are also really beautiful so you can do like these epic road trips where you like see just the most amazing stuff and if you don't want to do it on your own that's totally fine there's plenty of like tour companies as well where you can like go and camp and you go around all these different national parks and see like these insane animals and like the best interactions it's like yeah recommend it <laughs> <I'm sold>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you can do the trip and then come and end up with us and come and do some diving with some whales <laughs> Yeah, well, that sounds really good. So we, our audience is made up of non-divers and divers. So have you got anything you'd like to kind of say to them to kind of tempt them when, when obviously borders are open, everything's normal. Yeah. But, you know, you've obviously got these research programmes or they can visit you. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, our conservation adventure programme is for people who just want a bit of experience. So that can be divers, that can be non-divers. Um, I think probably one of the highlights is the whales. I know I've kind of spoken about them already, but they're like that program runs July and August, which is peak whale season. Um, and it is just quite phenomenal because we do do hydrophone recordings as well. So you do hear them from the boat in, in like in the headphones kind of thing, but also on the dives. And because we have mother and calf, so we have mating pods and we have mother and calf pairs um, because we're in a breeding ground. So the mating pods are pretty fast moving. So they're kind of nuts to, to see, like we were driving along just minding our own business. And honestly, whales are like the biggest game of hide and seek. It is ridiculous. <laughs> like we were driving along trying to spot whales and then this mating pod came up all around the boat and I was looking behind the boat and my friend Jay was driving the boat. So I was looking behind and I saw this, this uh, massive male come out of the water and they're so broad as well. Like they're broader than the boat. And I was like, Jay, there's a whale like five meters behind the boat. And he's like, there's a whale in front of the boat. I'm not moving. Like, we've got to keep it at a constant pace. And there was whales all around, all around us. And because the, and the, the mating pods are like super absorbed in, obviously it's, it's one female and, and the males chase the female. So they're super absorbed in this chase and this courtship. So they're kind of like less aware of what's going on around them, I guess. Like, obviously they are aware they're mammals, but like, they're definitely more concerned with the whole, like courtship rituals so um yeah they didn't care that the boat was there they were like right yeah we're gonna keep doing our thing and I was like oh my gosh what happened to one of the breaches on us <laughs> um, um but uh yeah I mean the experiences we actually had a video of that and my staff member who videoed it swore like a trooper <laughs> on the video and I was like right we're gonna have to turn the sound off on that one when we post it on Instagram <laughs> but uh yeah so that was amazing but I mean like 
so we just started more supping because I did my stand-up paddleboard qualification instructor's qualification last year in the UK which was a bit cooler than uh, I was expecting for a dip um but uh that is also amazing because the stand-up paddleboards mean that because you're non-motorized you can get really close to the whales so they really don't care that you're there um and that's like pretty amazing because you can also swim from them and like free dive off that and stuff like that so that's pretty incredible too and I started doing um some explorative sup trips last year as well because I, I would like to run some like sup trips up and dive trips but you can't do the same thing every day like go for a dive and then go for a sup because even though it is incredible somehow people do get bored off of whales after two weeks um so I want to be able to like shake it up and I was driving along with my friend and we saw this we drove over this bridge and we were like that looks like a good waterway like it's it was it would could fit us up down it um but it was pretty narrow and we were like let's just do that um and it had never been stopped before like we are in a very rural area and it was so funny because there was some brick makers that were just by because they were using the water from the river to mix their bricks and like they saw us pump up our boards because they were just in the back so they saw us pump up our boards and like go down the mud slope and then like launch and they were everyone we got a little crowd like waving us off because everyone was like what are these people doing like crazy girls and I was like para turismo and like for tourism and they were like <laughs> okay um and that was amazing because it was like monkeys because we are like we have quite a lot of wildlife so it was monkeys and there was loads of birds I was actually doing it predominantly to work out whether we could do like sup bird trips and like have like a cool weekend thing to do mm. kind of thing um which yeah that's definitely possible but there was also like monkeys and stuff like that which was cool too um and then we stopped right through down this amazing like river that was just yeah I mean every team is like this is so cool um, <laughs> um so there's so many like aspects to Mozambique and like so many different activities and it's it's definitely off the beaten track but like for me when I travel that's what I love to do like I love to like not be in a place with a sh like with a load of other tourists I would prefer to be somewhere where you're potentially the only tourist <laughs> like and uh, you're doing an activity that either has never been done before or very few people do I think that's probably one of the most exciting parts of it um, so yeah I mean um, one of my friends always says, says Africa's not for sissies but um, I think she might be right but it's um, it's really good yeah I would I would absolutely recommend uh, Mozambique's as a travel destination and obviously when travel opens up uh, everyone's more than welcome to join us and yeah. get involved in all these activities and I'll rope you into as much of this stuff as possible <laughs> yeah. yeah so free diving off a paddleboard uh, I take you to you how do you do that you, you just take turns so it depends on the day and the currents and stuff but if the currents aren't that bad then I'll just tie the two boards together will strap because there's straps on board as well so you just strap all everything on there so if a big wave did come then you know you won't lose your oar um and then yeah just free dive down off that and usually you're only going like maximum 20 meters down so you can still usually see the boards at the top so it's not like a big thing but for me like I was expanding a lot of my underwater photography portfolio last year so um because I wanted to sell some pictures to make a bit more money during COVID um so um Free, being able to paddle out into the blue water and do some free diving there and then also onto like some of the corals we have beautiful corals in um one of our bays and being able to kind of paddle 
around them and then free dive with that was also obviously pretty amazing um so yeah and long enough down to do that as well so you're getting long enough down to do your to take the photos that you want to take and get back and your paddleboard's still there yeah so we'll discuss the exact shot that i'd like to take before we free dive down so i'll be like look this way at the camera then swim in this direction then turn and then do this and and um my friend who is very obliging and <laughs> she's a very good free diver as well so um then we'd be like okay in this angle in this angle and then we'd go down and I'm pretty efficient now at taking it quite quickly so we'll, we'll swim down take a few shots come up then I'll show her the shots and we'll discuss the angles and stuff like that and how it could be better then we'll mm-hmm. move the angles around and all the rest of it and then go again and it usually takes like maybe two or three occasionally it's, it's straight away fine but um usually two or three takes and then yeah got the got the photo and you get better because free diving I don't know if you guys are free divers but you 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 get better the more you free dive so like your first free dive will be your worst one because it's triggering your mammalian dive reflex so the more you dive the better um you like the more you can hold your breath basically so after you kind of warmed up then uh you can take better photos as well okay yeah uh, yeah variety <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything, yeah it's good yeah. Yeah. so um if that's your favorite place is there anywhere else that you've got you'd like to maybe dive or free dive oh yeah um oh so many um so i have a little list that i want to make my way through um through my life so i use january's as my well usually i use january's as my uh, freelance photography month so I go off somewhere and go and freelance for a company and take some photos for them um, so last year it was Indonesia and the year before that it was Egypt but this year I was meant to go or wanted to go to the Galapagos oh, wow. but that didn't happen because of Covid so um, hopefully I'm kind of hoping that'll happen next year but I also want to go to Baja Peninsula California I also want to do Mexico again because I did it the first <laughs> time but yeah um hawaii has been on my list forever um djibouti i really want to do zanzibar uh philippines <laughs> basically wow. name anywhere with an ocean and i'll be like that's where i want to dive but what about the uk have you done much in the uk at all no i haven't done a lot at all um my yeah. last dive in the uk was in raysbury lake off the m40 no off the m25 um which just didn't cut out for me unfortunately <laughs> so, um, dry suit? in a dry suit no i was in a wet suit yeah. i was uh, feeling brave i regretted it <laughs> but uh i'm definitely a fair weather diver like i have no shame in saying that like i like my warm water i am not hardcore in any sense of the word <laughs> like um so yeah i'm a, i'm definitely I'm definitely a tropical, tropical girl. Yeah. Places left around the world, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you don't fancy ice diving then? Oh, well, actually, Sipra, um, in Iceland, the two tectonic plates, that's on my bucket list. Um, and I would love to do ice diving at some point. One of my friends works for the British Antarctic Survey and his photos, like, under the ice are, yeah, like, that's, that's also bucket list. But... I don't think I'd make it a regular thing. It would be more of a like, wow, this is insane. Like a couple of times in my life done, but not, uh, 
full-time job I don't think I'm cut out for that I'm such a worse with the cold <laughs> so you mentioned obviously whales and sharks are a big love but have you got any other marine animal that is sort of particularly on top of your list oh to see yeah that maybe you have seen or you want to see um leatherback turtles I haven't seen we had a nest recently which unfortunately didn't make it, which really sucked. Um, we have leather, we have leatherbacks and loggerheads nests on our beaches. And um, we've had the loggerhead nests have all been successful. The leatherback were right on the edge of the um, nesting zone. So we don't have as many leatherbacks nesting in our area. And I've never seen one alive. Um, and it's a hundred percent like bucket list animal. So I would really love to see a um, leatherback live nesting or otherwise like I'm not fussy it's just one that's alive um, and then I'd also love to see a tiger shark alive because I've seen a million tiger sharks dead unfortunately because of obviously the shark fin research that I do and scalloped hammerheads dead I've seen scalloped two scalloped hammerheads alive three scalloped hammerheads alive um, but that's one of the reasons I want to go to Galapagos is seeing the like mass uh, hammer migration so um that's definitely certainly something that's on my list um but yeah I mean like name a marine animal and I will want to see it like sunfish also on my bucket list the one dive that I skipped in Mozambique the one dive, like I really felt rough and I was like I really don't think I can do like I'm just going to skip the Saturday morning dive and my staff were like you know that we're gonna see everything because this is the dive that you're skipping and I was like yeah well whatever I don't care that much I really need to sleep and they came back and they were like yeah, we saw Mola Mola and I was like, what? I don't, no, you didn't. Like, you're joking. If you don't have evidence, I don't believe you. And then he got his GoPro out and he's like, here's the evidence, three Mola Molas. And I was like, what? They're not even meant to be in this area. Like, how is that? That's the one dive that I'm not yeah, on. Huh? They get huge. Yeah, yeah. It was three, like one was definitely smaller, but two of them were pretty large. And I was literally just like, I could not believe it. Like, I honestly, I was like, if you don't show me footage, you are 100% lying. Like, those don't come here. I don't believe you. And yeah, he saw them and he has go for footage of it. And I was so, so gutted that I missed that. It's always that dive that you don't do. Exactly. That's why whenever I'm on liverboards and stuff, I, even if I'm like really feeling ill and like do not really want to go, I'm like, I will push myself and I will go on every single dive because <laughs> I will not miss one because that will be the one that they see something insane on. But I feel like that's every diver ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so you can take three people diving. Who are you going to take? And that can be anyone from history or present day or whoever you like who, who are you going to take with you i would take sylvia first of all i feel like that's yeah. this one um but yes yeah, definitely her i would probably take oh jane goodall um i don't know if she dives but she's a massive inspiration in conservation so <laughs> um and then I would take actually Pascal and I'm hoping to do that next year um, because he loves the water and he so he couldn't swim when we first met and now he's a swimming instructor and he's oh, wow. doing that and he's learning he was meant to learn to dive last year but then Covid shut down the dive center all of that stuff so um, now he's going to be learning to dive next year and he originally had a fear of the ocean because he had a near drowning experience when he was a kid 
um and he's like totally over it and like I'm really excited for him to experience diving and yeah I'm like pretty pumped for that so um hopefully that will be that's not such a far off dream kind of thing that'll be a in the in the quite near future which is um really exciting and I'm very excited for him Bento and Mario are going to be learning as well but Pascal like we've been talking about diving since like I met him six years ago so it's and he said it in a documentary actually we had a documentary filmed on us in 2018 and he said that he was like or 2019 he was like I know so much about it because he teaches in the schools about the oceans he was like I know so much about the oceans from the surface and he snorkels on the boat all the time and he was like I've seen the, the fish and stuff but I want to take photos for myself I want to dive I want to become a dive master or more wow. and um yeah I'm like super pumped to like show him the, the underwater world and yeah mm -hmm. I'm keen because I think also I have a feeling that he'll be really good at it and he'll really enjoy it and we have a project a coral project that we're starting with Leeds University so I'd like him to head that project up if he feels comfortable and uh, enjoys and all the rest of it so um yeah super pumped for that yeah you'll be able to watch him on his journey yeah but what a dive that would be I think I'd lose my mind if I was in a dive with Sylvia and Jane Goodall and Pascal like that would be yeah <laughs> nuts but amazing his his journey sounds like Gemma's because Gemma's a new diver as well aren't you Gemma yeah, yeah, I've got 18 dives, but obviously COVID had kind of messed it up from, yeah, sort of starting to learn in the pool and then getting open water qualifications. So hopefully yeah. this year will be a more positive, productive year. Yeah, well, maybe you guys can come out to Mozambique now, you know, now we know each other. Yeah. <laughs> got the invitations open. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, to see even... Because we're paddleboarders as well, but yeah, just to... Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, you definitely got to come out then. No excuse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just to paddleboard with whales would be, like, amazing. Yeah, it's definitely bucket list. I didn't even realise it was bucket list until I did it, and I was like, this is bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've had anybody sort of combine seeing wildlife with a stand-up paddleboard on yeah. podcasts so far, have we? Yeah. Oh, nice. Diving from a paddleboard is just like, yeah. Yeah, first for everything. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. So if you could have a billboard to go out to the millions around the world, what would you put on it? You, it could be a statement, a picture, anything, just to get a message that's from your heart out to everybody. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, let me think. Um I wouldn't want anything too depressing that's the only thing like I work in conservation and unfortunately a lot of the science doesn't give such great messages these days <laughs> um, so I guess my message would be to care um, to care about people and the environment um, because that's just such an important part of conservation and if you don't care then nothing's gonna change so I guess care and maybe care and educate yourself because for me like reading more and learning more from people and listening more than talking um has been a really useful like way of growing as a human uh, and also growing my like perspective on things and and developing well developing our conservation strategy like listening to people um and respecting other people's point of view but I guess that also comes back to caring because you have to care to be able to want to educate yourself so yeah care more <laughs> yeah well, good. Good. yeah simple but yeah very strong 
Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, for our listener who uh, is now hearing for you, hearing about you for the first time and uh, has thought, I uh, like the idea of this and like the sound of Mozambique and what you're doing, where are they best to go to to keep up to date with, you know, with what's happening, the news and, uh, you know, with what's, what, what are they best to do, where are they best to go? Um, okay, so our website is www.lovetheoceans.org. So people can check that out for information on our programs. Our regular like daily updates of our organisation are probably on our Instagram, which is at Love the Oceans. We do keep our Facebook up to date and our Twitter more or less up to date. Um, but our Instagram is definitely like our main kind of place of um, updating people and stuff. Uh, we also run an Instagram live every week with different conservationists around the world. So we've had some really cool people on there um, that people can check out too. Um, so yeah, Instagram is probably our main port of call. Um, and yeah, people can donate and they can adopt a whale shark and do all kinds of stuff on our website. So um, that is the place to go for the most information. Yeah. yeah so that's if you've got a couple of quid and a few dollars going spare, that's the place to go and uh, help support. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or organize a trip with friends and come and see us. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really good. So yeah, but we'll obviously yeah, put that on the show notes as well so people can just click and follow through yeah. the website. That'd be amazing. Yeah. No, really interesting, yeah, conversation. It's just thanks so much for having me. Yeah. That's all right. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate that's it. All right. no, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. So, Jim, that was really good. Did you enjoy that? I think that was brilliant. Yes, she's yeah brought all elements to it: wildlife, stand-up paddleboarding, diving. Oh, and- I tried that. Mm. Or a bit of free diving off the paddleboard. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we don't get much chance to paddleboard. Go with that chroma though. Hmm. Once we're out of lockdown, we could try that maybe at Chroma. Yeah. Shallows, yeah. get used to it first. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and by the pier as well. Um, you know, so uh, I think that would be good. Um, I wouldn't do it near the pier, no, but I'd do it a bit further over. So you can see it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People might think we're going under the, we wouldn't want to do it under the pier, not while I'm getting used to it, no. But, um, you know, it sounds great. Imagine going whale watching, you know, do the do the day's work and then get the paddleboard out and, you know, let's get mixed in with some yeah. see the whales. It's got to be awesome. Yeah, her enthusiasm was just, yeah, infectious and, yeah, just a great experience she's having. It's an amazing way of life. And um, I think if anyone is listening to this um, who is interested you know they need to go to love the love the oceans.org mm. uh, and give them some support you know uh, that would be really great and also you know look at where you can get involved yeah because it sounds like you can get involved can't you yeah and you don't need to be a scuba diver to go on one of these programs and spend no. yeah several weeks out there so it's all about research and yeah learning a bit more about the ocean yeah that is isn't it and you know, as we, I know we said it before, but if this whole lockdown situation has taught us anything, it is about getting work-life balance right, isn't mm-hmm. it? And um, 
you know, if you're at a position where you can take a break from work, what a great way to go spend a few months. Yeah, and it's a worthwhile way to spend it as well, sort of helping, yeah, another place in the world. Once we can all travel mm-hmm. uh, and vaccines and everything else allows. It'll happen, it'll happen. Well, exactly, it will. You know, things are already starting to move in the right direction, which is good, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And uh, what I say thank you to everyone else who's uh, listened to this. If uh, let's go back, if you've um, enjoyed this one, we've just done a recent podcast with our friend Gary Dallas, didn't we? Yes. Where he was in your dry suit, I was in the, the tank top, and Gary was in various fourth element tops, as he's a fourth element team diver. Uh, so that came out on the Patreon site. Yes, yeah. so that's episode 61, yeah. Yeah, and uh, if you want to listen to that full, the full download, that is on the Patreon site. So uh, do that. And uh, I think we're going to do a, a short video of, of some of that, aren't we? Yes. YouTube, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, and we'll be doing the same for this with uh, Francesca as well. Yes, yeah, so it'll be out all, um, the full version will be on patreon.com forward slash the big scuba podcast. And then there'll be a slightly shorter version released on the usual podcast platforms for people to listen to. Certainly will be. Uh, We're like everybody else, you know, all these things all cost money. uh, And we're we're using Patreon to hopefully, you know, see if we can get a little bit of support to help pay for some of the costs. It does cost actually quite a bit of money to keep the podcast going with uh, you know with everything and everything else doesn't it yeah. and um, you know this has to pay for itself as long as everything else does so we you know he- hence why we're using Patreon we we have we kind of dabbled with Patreon in the past didn't we but yeah. didn't really do too much um, but yeah you know just being totally honest with our listener you know uh, we we like everybody else We've got to try and cover costs and uh, you can support us by a few couple of quid, couple of dollars, and um, you can download and get the full story and uh, even get involved as yes. well. So, yeah, uh, you can, yeah, suggest guests, but even, you know, ask us to ask questions to these guests coming up as well. So it's a way to become a player greater part in the Big Scuba podcast and not just yeah. a listener. Yeah, and we'll say thank you to thank you very much as well um, on the podcast. Yeah, so, yeah, that'd be really good. Yeah, and also we've got to say thank you for our existing patrons as well. Yeah, them. absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's brilliant. Cheers, John. Thank you very much. We always um, appreciate your support. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Okay, so coming up on the Big Scuba podcast, who is next? We have a chap called Ken Kiefer. Yeah, so we've got double trouble. We've got we've got Ken <laughs> Kiefer now. Uh, Ken is coming on with his wife Kimber, um, who usually is his model. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Ken. Who Ken Kiefer is? He, Ken is an award-winning underwater photographer based in Houston, Texas. His goal is to create stunning imagery that builds love and wonder for the underwater world. Now, I saw one of Ken's photographs on Facebook a while ago and messaged him virtually straight away um, because I was just like, 
wow, that's just absolutely amazing. If you don't know who Ken is, look him up and uh, look up uh, his wife, who's the model. And uh, Kimber is a native Texan, loves the adventure of traveling, exploring the ocean and underwater modeling in all settings. And there's a great photo that Ken took of Kimber and she's actually, she's under, she's under the water mm. and held, holds this pose in a red dress and you know it, there's perfect symmetry and it don't matter where you turn the photo it's the it, you know how on earth you take a photo like that is unbelievable the upside but, down uh, upside down but you can turn the actual photo looks exactly the same mm. it is a mirror image you know and uh as we tried didn't we we, we tried eight you know years yeah. ago having some photos underwater, that's not easy. It really yeah. isn't. And being upside down, holding a dress and a pose. And your breath. And hold your breath and have a photo taken. Wow. You know, and husband and wife and that don't fall out as well. You know, <laughs> afterwards. Domestic underwater. <laughs> oh, no, exactly. You know, that takes some doing. So uh, look forward to hearing that little story and, uh, you know, especially about that, how that photo was created. Yeah, yeah. Um, That'll be uh, looking forward to that one. Yeah. OK. So um, don't forget back phone messages. Um, don't forget to support us on Patreon and also youtube youtube's a free way of supporting us and if you've got a few extra dollars that you got free go to lovetheoceans.org and help support them as well yeah. so um you know that is all there share the love share the love absolutely jen share the love share the love with our patron and uh Love the ocean. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. So anyway, well, I think that's it. That's it for me. Yeah, yeah, I think we've covered everything. And yeah, we'll see you on the next one. So anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for downloading. <laughs>